When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to episode 177. How dare you? Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Okay, now don't worry, we're not saying how dare you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because we love that you're listening to our podcast. Yeah. So, Christina, what are we talking about today? Well, today's episode is talking about discipleship at home. And I feel like of all the podcast interviews that we've done, this is probably one of the top, I would say, two or three topics that people ask us to come on their podcast and talk about. That's right. So this episode is going to be all about how we can do discipleship at home with our children. Now, when you think about discipleship at home, I'm curious what verse pops into your mind. Maybe 1 Timothy 4.12? Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is one of those verses that's often taught in kids' ministry. It's a verse that I memorized growing up. I heard lots of talks. Yeah, right. And when you think about children at home, regardless of their age of whether they are they are wee little ones or they can walk around or they can talk a lot because they're teenagers and they got their <laughs> attitudes or talk not at all <laughs> and, <laughs> and lots of eye rolls <laughs> that's true when you think about this verse man what a verse that applies to our children in today's world of relative truth where the truth is whatever you want to make it according to this world, right? The truth isn't what it says in God's word. It's what I feel. Or the whole you do you. Yeah. Yeah. Or just really going to whatever is shining the brightest. Or just follow your heart. Whatever your heart tells you, do it. In light of all of that, this world, this cultural moment that we're living in, This verse is a prime example of why the word of God is a light onto our path and why it says in Psalm 119, perhaps you know this verse, how can a young person keep their way pure? By living according to whatever you feel. No, that's not what it says, right? (laughs) By living according to his word. I mean, just imagine if your children lived this verse out, right? Not just memorized it, but lived it. I'll read it again. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Can you just imagine what it would look like if your children were setting an example in speech, in conduct for everyone around them? Where when it comes to their external and outward behavior and actions, I mean, just imagine what it would look like if they were setting an example in all of that towards you. When you're asking them to do something that they don't want to do, how would they react differently? Or if they have siblings, or if they have siblings and they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
how do you think they would act differently if they were setting an example in speech and in their conduct, right? Their outward behavior. Let's talk about the internal side of things too. If they were setting an example in love, faith, and purity, what would be different about your kids? What would be different about the way that they make decisions? And, and would they be different when they know that no one is watching them? Yeah, if our kids and teens really live this out, now this is the zinger, wouldn't this sometimes mean that our kids and teens would be discipling us in a sense? Well, turn the tables. Yeah, so let's unpack this a bit. Maybe that means that our teens point out where our speech and our actions don't line up. Hmm. Yeah, remember that beginning when I'm like, how dare you? (laughs) That's how I want to react sometimes (laughs) when I'm like, oh, I'm wrong, but how dare you tell me I'm wrong? I'm the parent. I'm always right, right. even if I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, We'll, we'll get to that after. Or maybe it means that our kids mention we seem to be gossiping about the neighbors instead of minding our own business Mm. or offering our help. Or maybe it's them asking questions about why it seems okay that mommy and daddy watch a certain show or movie when we tell them they can't. Yeah. Or wondering why we go out of, or wondering why we go out of our way to avoid a certain type of person or people group, like the homeless or marginalized. Mm. Or maybe it's them reminding us to pray when we look overwhelmed, frustrated, or lost. You know, speaking of how dare you, I grew up in a home where correcting your parents, that's exactly the type of thing that would happen if I wanted to be yelled at or grounded for life. Mm, (laughs) Like, it just wasn't allowed. Yeah, of course. No. No option. No, no. It was considered back-talking and disrespectful. Yeah, that's right. Like you were saying, Daniel, my parents, this is how it, it felt. It felt like they were always right, even if I knew they weren't. And my parents were right, always right, even if they knew they weren't. They stood their ground and they just wouldn't budge. Once it was said, it was set in stone. There was no room for 1 Timothy 4.12. There was no room to set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity to happen in our own family. Now, Maybe as you hear me saying all this, maybe you grew up like me in a family that considered a child pointing out hypocrisy in their parents' life as a huge no-no. I want you to think about that. If that's the type of family you, you grew up in like me, what did that do to your faith? Did it increase it? Did it encourage your inner and outer life to match? Well, Sadly for me, it didn't do any of those things. And as we were raising our kids, we repeated these same patterns. Disrespect is a huge trigger for both of us, right, Daniel? Yep. Mm -hmm. But as we've learned, grown, and seen how God is speaking to and shaping our children as they grow older and make their faith their own, we are more open to seeing the ways the Holy Spirit is guiding them. So... I have a little bit of a confessional story (laughs) where uh, this kind of hit me right and smack in the face. 
Um, we during the summer, Daniel and the kids and I took a trip to San Francisco for a week for to celebrate my 40th birthday, and it was phenomenal. Yep. The only downside was that we rented a vehicle that was much smaller than the one we're used to. Yeah, we have a minivan, mm-hmm. proud minivan owners, for three sure. rows, lots of room. Everyone's spread out. <laughs> exactly. Can't really hear each other. All that you have to yell to, you know, talk to mommy and daddy in the front. <laughs> it's kind of sweet. So the car we rented is a sedan where three of them are just smashed in the back. Like they are really, really close together. It's one of those you try to draw an imaginary line, but of course someone's toe crosses it, a, an elbow, a yeah. knee, all You're of that. Constantly touching each other. Yes. And they're not used to it and they freaked out. So. One time we were coming back late at night and we were all tired and all I wanted was peace and quiet. (laughs) Just please, please, just a little bit of quiet. So we had one child uh, kind of pushing the other child, the middle like child who was sitting in the middle was pushing the other child and be like, move over, no, move over, move over. And they started to elbow each other like you move over. No, you move over. And then all of a sudden I heard, Whap! And then a child go, and just start like there's, you know, that cry when it's silent at first and then it starts to wail. So that's what happened. The The youngest child got, um, yeah, kind of the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Knocked out of him with the oldest one, just giving it a really good punch. Yeah. And they were just wailing, wailing and wailing and wailing. And I had it. I was like, first of all, I was really just tired and I was angry. And also I was actually scared because the way that the child was crying sounded like maybe some ribs got broken. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Like literally, I've never heard this child wail like this before. So we try to calm him down and all that. And then I look, I was livid. I look at the child who, who punched the other one. And I said, how does it feel to be a bully? (laughs) And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew that's a, not what I should have said. B, that's not what I meant. And C, like, I'm going to have to repair this afterwards. Mm. It was just the wrong thing to say at the wrong moment. And, um, so she went off the rails because obviously with my action, there was a huge reaction. Yeah. And so there's a yelling match and all of that. Anyways, long story short, at the end, um, everybody's calm. Nobody's talking anymore. And then a little voice from another child says, Mom, mm, I think you owe an apology to the other child because... She wasn't being a bully. She was just reacting. And yeah, she wasn't reacting well, but she's not actually a bully. So you have to say sorry to her. This is coming from the child that was observing the third one, not involved in the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. And my first reaction was like, I just saw red, like pure anger. Like, how dare you? And I didn't know this. I was driving. Yeah. But when she said that, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I immediately went and reached for your hand. Yeah. I was like, do you remember? Yes, I exactly. Your hand? And oh. I took a deep breath, thankfully. And all I felt was the Holy Spirit tell me, no, this is a learning moment. Mm. Do not crush her. And so instead of 
basically yelling at her and just being like, how dare you? I said, you know what? Thank you. You're right. You are actually right. And God is speaking through you. And I do need to say sorry. And so that's what happened. I turned around and I apologized to the child that I had called a bully and we repaired the relationship. And yeah, I mean, thankfully that child was like, yeah, mom, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm so glad you shared that story because (laughs) (laughs) I think when we come back to this verse, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, right? Set an example for the believers. Mm -hmm. We often think that this applies to our kids and our kids alone, right? Because if they did that, then they probably wouldn't have been fighting. If they did that, they probably would have not been elbowing one another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what if, right? What if we also applied this to ourselves too? Mm. What if instead of seeing this verse as one that only applied to us when we were young, what would happen if we actually saw this as applying to us today? Now, maybe in your mind right now, you're like, but I'm not young. <laughs> well, youth is relative, right? In Canada, there's a bank called Scotia Bank, and they used to have this ad campaign where they would do something and then they would say, say, you're richer than you think. And then, you know, show something else. You're richer than you think. Well, in the same way, we believe that you are younger than you think. So take a look at this verse again. This time I'll read it from the CSB version. And I want you to hear this as applying to you and not your children. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If you had integration between your inner and outer life, don't you think that your children might have a greater chance to grow in theirs too? Mm-hmm. After all, in the lives of our teens, the stickiest thing isn't what we say, it's what we do. What we do is what our kids will remember the most. Yeah, Our actions, way more. They speak so much louder than our words. So, what are your actions saying to your kids? One of the things that Christina and I love to do when the weather's nice or even when we want to do something a little different when it comes to dinner is do Korean barbecue at home. Mm-hmm, so we delicious. have that we have that portable propane grill and we have a, a top that goes on it. So it's like you're at a Korean barbecue restaurant and we put the samgyeopsal on there, the bulgogi, all the different Korean types of meats. And it's just a really fun time for us to do that together. Well, usually when it comes, I mean, Christina typically cooks everything for us except barbecue and, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) So I was doing the Korean barbecue. I was making it. And I remember one of our kids, I honestly don't even remember what they were saying, but I just remember snapping at them while I'm cooking. Mm -hmm. Maybe like, hey, don't touch that, whatever, right? I was just, I just wanted, I wanted to eat. And I wanted to cook and I wanted us to do this not over three hours, but get dinner done in a, in a, in a good amount of time. Well, after I snapped immediately, <laughs> I could tell Christina looked 
right at me. Like we were sitting beside each other at the time and I didn't even, I didn't want to look at her (laughs) because I could tell that she was looking straight at me and was like, what are you doing? Calm it down. (laughs) This is a family dinner. (laughs) This is supposed to be fun. Remember? Your reaction was like 10 times stronger than the like action was. So it just was, there was a little bit of a disconnect there. Yes, that's right. And I could tell, I mean, the moment I reacted, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay cool it daniel why are you acting like this so eventually i i I calmed down (laughs) and i was like okay god would you please give me the right words and i turned to that child and i apologized Mm -hmm. here's the thing about that whole situation we're not perfect right our kids aren't perfect either but by taking the step to repair that relationship afterwards what that child and what our other kids are going to remember the most isn't that I snapped. What they're going to remember is what happened afterwards, that the relationship was repaired, that things were good moving forward. And that momentary yelling and snapping is just going to fade away because we repaired that relationship. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you, Daniel, for sharing that story and just outlining the fact that um, apologizing to our kids isn't easy, right? Nope. It's really a huge chunk Soul of, of humble. Yeah, <laughs> of a humble pie. Yeah. And um, but it's important for our kids to see that and to learn that. And for it to be modeled for them so that later on when they're in with their friends or with their significant other or they have their own kids, that it isn't necessarily hard for them in the sense of they don't have that model to learn to apologize. It's, you know what, this is actually normal. It's normal to to not always get along with people, mm-hmm. but it's also even more normal to apologize and to repair that relationship. Yeah. So thinking back upon your own family history, let's do that for a minute. Can you remember a time when your parents did something wrong and didn't apologize? Hmm. Now, can you think of a time when your parents did something wrong and apologized? What stuck with you more? Wow, Christina, that's a really good question. For me, honestly, I can't really remember a time when my parents apologized to me when I was growing up. Hmm. I can't say that they didn't, because right? I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But I don't remember a time where they ever apologized. So it wasn't a normal thing. No. No, it wasn't like an everyday. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, for me too, I can remember my parents apologizing, but 
it was when I was an adult. Yeah. Where mm. they look back on the way that they raised my brother and I, and not to say that they were doing it poorly, they did. They were literally doing the best that they could yeah, exactly. with the tools that they had. But they look back and say, "Oh man, if we knew what we knew now, we would have raised you differently." And we're sorry for that. And even as an adult, as my parents are apologizing for things that my brother and I had gone through or experienced, it's still powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Okay, so how can we do this? How can we grow in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity? And how can we help our children grow in this too? Well, in the following verses in First Timothy four, the Apostle Paul talks how. Let me read to you the whole passage. First Timothy four from verse thirteen to sixteen. Until I come, give your Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, contextually speaking, in this passage, Paul is instructing Timothy to know how he should pastor the Ephesian church here. But I believe that we can learn from these verses and apply them to our lives too, since as parents, aren't we essentially pastoring our children as well? In fact, when it comes to each of our kids, we have and we hold the primary responsibility to pastor and disciple them. We can't outsource it to the church. We we can't outsource it to youth ministry. We can't outsource it to a Christian school. Yes, all of those can support us. And I pray and hope that your church provides great resourcing in and around that to help you raise your kids to know, love, and serve Jesus, to help you raise your teenagers, to help them with their questions and in all of that. But No matter how great your church is with all of that, you, mom, you, dad, are the primary influencer and discipler of your kids. So how can we grow in personally, right? How can we grow in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity? And by virtue, how can we help our teens grow in this too? Well, number one, we see it in verse 13. We need to prioritize worship. We see in this verse, until I come, give our attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. What this is about is about prioritizing worship, prioritizing gathering together on the weekends, whenever that service time is for your church, gathering together, hearing the word of God preached, living it out sharing that, connecting with others afterwards. Scripture here is so key in weekend worship and in our lives because the Holy Scriptures are our true north. In fact, there's research that was done by Lifeway in and around the attributes of a mature disciple. They identified eight different attributes, and in and through that research, they discovered that reading the Bible. The more frequently you read your Bible, the more likely all eight of those attributes would grow. Mm. That you'd grow in all aspects of spiritual maturity 
by virtue of reading the Bible more frequently. So number one, prioritize worship. Number two, don't squander your gifts. We see this in verse 14. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. So let me ask you a question. Do you know how God has gifted you? Now, I'm not asking if you know how God has gifted your kids. I'm asking if you know how God has gifted you. Are you using your gifts today? Now, maybe you're like, yeah, but I used to serve, but I used to do that, but I used to, but now it's busy being a parent and and I have work and I have this and I have that and I'm a chauffeur. I'm a better, you know, I'm really good at driving now because I'm an Uber driver for my kids. (laughs) No, we're, we're asking if you're using your spiritual gifts. Are you serving in your church? Are you serving outside of your church? Are you showing your kids what a lifestyle of service looks like? One of the best ways to discover how you are gifted is actually by serving. Spiritual gift tests can help, but one of the best ways to discover your spiritual gifts is by serving. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And the third way is to be the example. If you look at verse 15, it says, practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Practice these things. You know, what an interesting word, practice. Maybe that word conjures up images of the hours you spent in a cold arena at hockey practice, or maybe you're thinking, oh, of all the days and times that you were running around in the football field all muddy and sweaty and maybe it was raining. For me, um, it means the hours conjures up the uh, it for me, it conjures up the pictures of hours I spent in front of the piano practicing scales so I can hear my friends playing outside. <laughs> I know. I just want to be outside. <laughs> Practice these things. You know, I often wonder how Paul knew about how the brain works way before his time, way before we understood how the brain works. We are just starting to understand the ins and outs of our brain, and researchers have discovered what is called neuroplasticity. That's a big word, neuroplasticity. It's basically a fancy word for describing how our brains develop and strengthen neural pathways based on use. Your brain is malleable, meaning that you, your brain is malleable meaning that your brain has the ability to change and adapt as a result of experience. Mm -hmm. We create well-worn paths in our brain as we continue to do the same actions or have the same thoughts over and over again. The paths that are used most frequently become easier to use. They actually become more natural. It's why you likely have no idea which pant leg you put on first each day. (laughs) I know you're thinking of it, right? Yeah. But my guess is that if you paid attention, it would be the same leg. What is it for you? Always the right leg. Right leg. Oh, I'm always the left leg. Oh, really? But I'm right-handed. I don't know Does it have anything to do with that? I have no idea. But I just, I'm trying right now. And it it feels weird for me to put my right foot in. Oh, really? No, my pants are on. No, just (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't, I didn't take them off the way back on. I just <laughs> pretend putting on another pair of pants over my uh, pants. Yeah. Good thing we're not on YouTube. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so getting dressed is, yeah, it's a well-worn neural pathway in your brain because you do it, hopefully, <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. So... Maybe one of these areas like serving or scripture reading or praying aloud or gathering in person again isn't something that comes naturally to you. No, that's because it isn't a well-worn pathway in your brain. Mm. Remember, our brains have the ability to change and adapt as a result of experience, as a result of doing something over and over again. So practice. Right? Continually expose yourself to the spiritual practice where you feel doesn't come naturally to you. That's right. This is how we disciple our kids. We grow and continue to commit to grow in our faith. Because here's the thing. If we don't, if we don't disciple our kids, then their salvation is at stake. That's why it says what it says in verse 16. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching persevere in these things for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers by prioritizing worship by not squandering our gifts and by being the example we see here in this verse that it has an effect all of it has an effect on our faith our salvation and the salvation of our kids you know a few weeks back one of our kids told us that god doesn't answer their prayers mm-hmm and it was a bit of a stark statement we were all in the kitchen together so right away thank god for the words that he gave us right christina Mm -hmm. very true but right away we just started talking about okay so let's talk about that for a moment what does it mean to hear god's voice what are ways that we can hear god's voice So we started talking about the importance of scripture and learning his voice. Jesus is the great shepherd. We're called to abide in him. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. So how do we know Jesus's voice? How can we hear his voice? How can we discern his voice from all the other voices out there? It's by spending time in the scriptures, by knowing his voice. Yeah. And also surrounding yourself with people who are for you and who have a deep relationship and walk with God as well and who are safe that you can come to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or um, can you pray with me about this? I think God is directing me in this way, but I'm not sure. Uh, So for this one child, he was saying that they are in youth group. So we said, you know, there are times where I know we know because we were teens before too. Maybe you don't want to bring that up to mommy and daddy for whatever reason. But that's a, you know, if but find a safe person. So we were even using their youth leader. Yeah, that's right. Um, who we know and we trust and know that has is for our children and who loves God deeply. So we said, why don't you talk to our youth leader about mm-hmm. that? That would be a great person to confide in as well. Yeah. As we come to the close of this episode... Friends, what we want to remind you is that discipleship is less about a particular devotional or family worship. Those are great. Those are fantastic. But what your children are going to remember more is who you are, Mm -hmm. your actions, how you are living out your faith. That's what's going to stick with them. That's what they're going to remember. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, there's this song that our girls will play uh, over and over in the morning. I I drive them to school, and so they get turns being the DJ. But this song is called Monday Morning Faith. Mm. And I love it because... I think it's really easy for us to pretend that we have it all together on Sunday. Like our Sunday morning faith is maybe shaky in the car ride to get to church. <laughs> but when we're there at church, sometimes we feel like we need to pretend that everything's okay, that uh, our family is quote unquote perfect. And then on Monday, it just kind of goes, well, finally, we don't have to put on a show. We can just be quote unquote who we are. We can be, you know, real. But what would it look like to have Monday morning faith in the sense of like, God, I want to know you just not on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all the way. It's Mm -hmm. not a one day a week getting to know him. It's a full seven day a week desiring to follow God wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I guess I should maybe start playing those types of songs when I drive them. <laughs> Usually it's like, sweet Caroline, <laughs> or, or, I'll, or I'll pull out some Jesus freak. Or <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one too. Yeah. No, Monday morning, babe, that's good. We should start with that first. Yeah, no, that's good. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening in to today's episode. We'd be honored if you shared it with a friend with your spouse, with others around you. You can hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app or just text them the episode inbetween.org slash episode 177. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time.